Welcome back to the King's Way podcast. <laughs> That's Trevor's line. It is, but he's not here right he's now. Here. Yeah, he said he's home getting something. He said, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, he uh, he uh, just uh, took a little nap or yeah, something. So we're gonna know. sneak in this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. So he, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't know it. That's this is a great yeah, intro already. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is episode two of our worship walls series, where we are talking about um, some walls that people set up in worship ministry, mm-hmm. and we got some interesting responses from the last one. Did we? Okay. Um, mostly uh, people, just a lot of mm-hmm. people giving their own personal experience to us at church or whatever. And um, but we mm-hmm. did get one uh, uh, negative response. Okay. Which is one of the first ones, and I'm very surprised. We've okay. talked about Harry Potter. We've talked about hell, <laughs> different views on hell. No <laughs> negative responses on nope. that? Nope. Okay. Crickets. How disappointing. But uh, then uh, we talked about this, and there was some negative response. Now, to be clear, um, I'm not going to name the person, although we're good oh, friends. And so it. it's not it's not like, it's not bad or anything. Good. But it was just like, a, I think you could have done better on a certain point okay. kind of response. Okay. Yeah. So I got an email within the week afterward, um, and it was specifically in regards to the point uh, where I was talking about, should we do a song even if we disagree with um, part or mm-hmm. all of the theology of, maybe not all, but part lesser, mm-hmm. ma- more major parts of the theology of the church who wrote it. Okay. Um, and I pretty much all I said on that was, um, sorry, I'm looking up his email. Okay. I said, uh, if it's biblical and the content isn't an issue, then I'm fine with it. Um, I agree with that. I don't, th- yeah. I don't want to subscribe to the genetic fallacy on this and say that because a church that we disagree with wrote it, even if it's scriptural, then we can't sing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then like the song is faulty. Okay. And then I made one more argument that, um, they make so much money from all the royalties, from all the churches doing them, mm-hmm. that if we did or did not use them, they would never know they would or never care. care. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. make a difference in the final analysis. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, the email I got back said that that's not a super strong form of this argument, mm. that there's still the issue of the church we disagree with. So in particular, a lot of people um, will see a video about uh, talking about how bad Bethel Church is and all this weird Seen stuff that. they believe. Yeah. And uh, they do. Mm-hmm. They do believe weird stuff. Mm-hmm. They do still believe in Jesus, but the way they think Jesus works in the world and their role in the world under okay. Jesus is is kind of weird. So I don't want to go in, in, into a, a bunch of specifics, but they're mm-hmm. pretty charismatic. That's yeah. not a bad word. Uh, but they're pretty charismatic to the point of um, uh, they had a like ministry training school and some of their teaching and training in that school was teaching their students to pray for the sick and the close to death people, uh, sometimes instead of calling for medical help. So there were some students hiking. One of mm-hmm. them fell off a cliff and was badly, badly injured. And they prayed for him for a few hours and he died mm-hmm. and they never called for help. Yeah, um, I got an issue with that. That's a problem. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I'm not a huge fan of that. I think uh, Jesus, but and, it, the song is okay. Yeah, theologically, you're saying you don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and I can, I agree with that. As far until I hear the email, maybe there's a good argument. This not email, uh, the the person said, um, I kind of want to read part of it. I'm going to try to find a good part. Uh, 
specifically talking about Bethel, mm-hmm. um, they said, when I heard people express hesitancy to use Bethel music, it's not because the content of a particular song is out of line with that person's beliefs. It is because Bethel, broadly speaking, is out of line with that person's beliefs. So the church as a whole, who's writing the music, mm-hmm. and the person believes using Bethel music signals an endorsement of Bethel. So the argument in its nuanced form is not that a Reformed church cannot use Bethel music because any particular song commits some theological error. It is that there are prudent reasons not to, and because there's no shortage of alternatives, the wiser course would be to steer clear. Mm. Um, okay. So it's more that okay that using Bethel music, if you have a problem with Bethel church, sets up Bethel as an authority that we as a church follow or think is worth following. Okay. That is the stronger argument. But that assumes the person knows that it comes from Bethel that's yes. listening to you or in the that's singing it in the congregation. Yes. Which I assume most people don't unless we have something on the screen that says on the copyright Bethel music. We should have something on the screen, and I'm pretty sure we've never had it. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So if the IRS is out there, whatever, I don't know whoever's in charge of copyright. So we could be busted before this uh, podcast we could is be. over. Um, okay. if, if, if our church... <laughs> We're dragged away. We if there are why. chains over the yeah. door handles of our church, you know what happened. <laughs> okay. Um, so I do think that's a better argument. And when we, yeah. we met for lunch later, um, again, I love this person to death, so we get lunch all the time anyway. Yeah. But we met for lunch later... And they talked about how um, it's not that uh, it's it's more that I didn't show that there was a line that we wouldn't cross somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like I dealt with that song and moved on. Okay, so those are the two things I want to yeah. talk about. Is there a okay. line somewhere where a song's author is so off the rails that we won't use it? And uh, and is um, how how big is the threat of mm. leading people to a and a spiritual authority who we think isn't a good spiritual authority? Okay, I'll say, in my experience, I've only had five years being worship pastor. I've been at uh, worship pastor at two churches, uh, Kingsway right now, which is 120 ish people on a Sunday mm-hmm. or so, varies, and a ton of kids, mm-hmm. and then another church in Rolla, Missouri, which was about. Multiple services. Eight to ten times bigger, multiple mm-hmm. services, multiple styles, which means we're not doing five songs a Sunday or whatever. We're doing ten because there's two styles, two teams. Yeah, like the separate. more contemporary style, yeah. the traditional style, high yep. church style, however you want to, yeah. whatever you want to call um, it. And so between those two places and all the people I've interacted with, the amount of people who have come up to me and expressed concern or at least like question uh, one of our worship song church writers, one of those groups, I've had maybe three, mm-hmm. three to five different levels. Um, usually it's, I saw this video, I love listening to Bethel music, but I saw this video saying that their church is crazy and uh, we should mm-hmm. act like they don't exist right. and never uh, sing any of their stuff again. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Or it'll be a little more confrontational why do we do this when it's when mm-hmm. this guy on YouTube said it's such a problem? Mm-hmm. Um, I have two answers to that. One is almost nobody knows. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Almost almost nobody knows or cares to know anything yeah. about the churches who write our music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's just true. I for a long time there's I used to be a little bit more of a song Nazi 
when it when it came to allegory in songs. So no, no longer slaves, the bridge. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. Talking about mm-hmm. Exodus. Yeah, I like that song. Exodus mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And I was like, 13, that's allegory. He didn't split the sea for you. He did it for Israel, and we can't use that. Uh, yeah. And then I noticed um, nobody caring about that. Like, not right. not that it, it should be important, but nobody's caring about it, so I let it go. But, yeah. like, nobody's faith was hindered right. by singing that allegory. Right. Because you know it's not literal. He. He's meaning, as I take it in the song, in that bridge, what they're talking about yeah. is, in my life, I've faced certain obstacles, and you took care of those obstacles like you did the nation of Israel. Yeah. You you took an impossible situation, and you made it into a saving situation. Yeah. Or, you, or you, you saved me from whatever that threat was or whatever the difficulty yeah. was. And I think so that's I, yeah, that's great. Um, it it. I've, I can't remember if I said this in the last episode, but I want to make sure I say it in this series. Um, something I've noticed that I love from charismatic churches, again, that's not a bad word. Mm-hmm. We love charismatic churches and our charismatic brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but something I've noticed that I love about them is uh, in some like bigger uh, mega church style, seeker sensitive, whatever, they're concerned about having too much insider language. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure to make everything bottom shelf as much as we can. Maybe mm-hmm. we do or don't want to water it down, but we want to make everything accessible. And that's something that a lot of charismatic yeah. churches I'm aware of and and people I know are not concerned with. Right. What they want to do is make all their language biblical. Mm-hmm. So they'll, instead of talking about gifting, they'll talk about anointing, which is yeah. like, even if I don't like how they're using that word, mm-hmm. they're using biblical words all the time. Um, and they'll they'll use uh, uh, the word Goliath, David and Goliath, to mm-hmm. talk about bigger enemies in their own life. Mm-hmm. I may not love that allegory, but they're like through all these different things, and I'm sure there's a hundred more examples. Uh, yeah. But um, showing how deeply saturated in Scripture they are, mm-hmm. even if I don't like how they're applying right. it in certain right certain, uh, or maybe I don't think it's the best way to apply it. Maybe a, a like fine or okay way to apply it. So you've gotten pushback. Let me change this up here just a second. Yeah. You've gotten pushback on Bethel. Yes. Any other like Hillsong or anybody most else? Of the, most of the vaguely charismatic megachurches that write uh, worship songs. So Bethel, that would include Hillsong, that would include Elevation. Elevation Worship. Uh-huh. And v- I, nobody's talked to me about vertical worship or vertical music, vertical church, whoever theirs is. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talked to me about Maverick City, which isn't a church. It's like a collaborative something. Okay, I'm not familiar know. with them. But we don't do yeah. a ton of their stuff. But mm-hmm. We've done a handful of their mm-hmm. their songs. Yeah. Um, but those are like some of the bigger, more vaguely charismatic. I say vaguely because they're not. I don't think any of them are Assemblies of God churches officially within that denomination. Mm-hmm. I think they're all like non-denominational charismatic for okay. the most part. Yeah. Um, but with most of them, uh, the way they preach and the way they talk and what their priorities are in their services mm-hmm. um, on, like a lot of them will talk about breakthrough. And it's like a middle ground between miracles and self-help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be any of those. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big focus of a lot of their services. They may preach the gospel story during some of the service sometimes, um, but like their response time is usually uh, in some of those churches more about that idea of like 
God stepping into your life and making your life better. Mm -hmm. And some people don't like that, especially ways you can take that. Mm -hmm. You try to, you try to have some breakthrough altar call response thing every Sunday for a year. And you're going to want to get more specific and not just Mm -hmm. say the same thing every time. And it's going to go down different paths, whatever. Um, So stuff like that, there's some more specific things that some of them do or believe or, or have done that I'm not a huge Mm -hmm. fan of and don't emulate, but the whole thought reminds me kind of, uh, and I don't want to get too political here, but kind of a counter or cancel cultural yes. idea. Yeah. Like, I don't like what they do in this area, so I'm going to basically take them out of my life altogether. Yes. Yeah. Uh, take them off my social feed, media feed or whatever. I can sometimes see why there's almost this purity aspect to it, and you want to be true to your to your ideals and you want to foster this kind of idea. But I think there's a danger to that as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of older songs that this yeah. would apply to. Like uh, you could say, well, you know, John Newton was a slave trader. Yeah. And uh, uh, certainly oppressed a lot of people in a horrible, horrible way. So I'm not going to, and he wrote a lot of good songs like Amazing Grace yeah. and some other great ones uh, that were sung or that we still sing and, and that are just part of the DNA of almost of who we are. And I think God can use, and the Bible's full of people like this, God can yeah. take the most broken people, the people that maybe have an issue spiritually where they shouldn't have a blind spot or, as a friend of mine used to call it, a long spoke. They have a problem with their theology, yeah. at least from my perspective, but they still can do really good things, and they can still build up the kingdom. So I have a real hesitancy by saying, well, I don't agree with this person and how they worship in this way. So, yeah, the song's okay, but I'm not going to sing it because of, of this. Unless, I, I don't know, it, Romans 14 talked about not doing certain things that might hurt a brother. So if you yeah. have somebody in the church that maybe has a real problem with that and you continue to force down their throat Bethel music and they have a yeah. problem, maybe there's an issue there, I, you'd have to use some biblical... And that's more where me as a worship pastor, worship leader where I would find the most treble or the most mm-hmm. ease. And that's yeah. kind of why I'm okay doing music from Bethel and Hillsong and whatever, because I'm, I'm watching our congregation not react in a Bethel-positive way where they're, like, buying Bill Johnson books. And mm-hmm. I, half of them couldn't, probably, like, 95% <laughs> of them couldn't name Bill Johnson uh, or yeah, at um, least. Maybe 99%. Is it Hillsong uh, Houston. Yeah. Not Brian. Brian it? Houston, okay. yeah. Half of them, now they're going to, because you heard me say it. Um, Ignore that I said that. Uh, But like half of them couldn't name them or their books or anything like that. And so I don't Mm -hmm. care. But if it ever was a problem, if we did ever have people um, wanting to change how our church functions to be more like some of those churches um, and what they prioritize and what they Mm -hmm. care about, then I might start having. Because that's another line from this email is that there's no, there's no shortage of other songs talking about yeah. the same stuff, other songs that are good, whatever. True. I think that's generally true, but I think there's um, mm-hmm. there's a blessing in experiencing uh, worship styles, worship preferences, and worship priorities from other denominations, other, other big faith groups that are all Christians but different than our own. Mm-hmm. That's why I think like every once in a while doing... Um, call and response scripture readings, doing mm-hmm. confessions mm-hmm. in service. It's valuable. 
and it's valuable, and we're taking it straight from our high church brothers and sisters, right. Catholic, Anglican, right. whatever, because mm-hmm. um, there's value in it, and we feel like God has really honored um, them using those worship practices, and we could benefit from it. We could learn something mm-hmm. from how they've yep. met with God and experienced God in those ways. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think charismatics generally do really well mm-hmm. is um, songs, write songs that are very interactive between you and God. Yep. Right. And very, uh, I, I think I said this word last time, and it was what I was talking about with charismatics and how much they use the Bible rather than, I think, how accurately they use the Bible mm-hmm. as much. But yeah. biblicism, it's just saturated in mm-hmm. biblical words. And so I think a lot of charismatic songs are heavily, heavily biblical in wording, even if they yeah. may not be, all of them may not be heavily biblical in application or whatever mm-hmm. they're just saturating it with mm-hmm. with bible stories bible phrases bible mm-hmm. allusions to where if you're a fan of the bible you'll notice all these callbacks yeah. to different things now when i was a kid growing up in the 70s dating myself there was some controversy in a movement about singing extremely simple songs that yeah. had a just one or two phrases and they would sing them over and over and over and over yeah and some of that's good in the sense that it it simplifies maybe the channel between you and God, but I can also see where it's kind of negative because for some people like me who want a little more theological meat in the song lyrics themselves. Yeah. And what I love about hymnology like with Charles Wesley, John Wesley, John Newton, some of those great songs, Isaac Watts, some of those guys uh, and gals, uh, Fanny Crosby, they yeah. had so much biblical truth yeah. in the words in the songs. If you look like at a Christmas song, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, if you yeah. look at through all four verses, there's so much biblical truth in that that speaks to the truth of what Christmas really is. Yeah. To me, that really enriches my worship experience as opposed to singing the same phrase over and over and yeah. over again. And maybe it depends on the mood because there may be some mon- Sundays where I walk into church and maybe that repetitive type simple music would speak to me more than on other Sundays. But in general, I like the more biblically dense, if you will, um, songs as, as far yeah. as the lyrics. I I love that. And that's I've gone to Bible college and then back to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and uh, so... I also personally love these super dense, wordy, rich um, songs. I think I may have said this last time, and I may have said I may have said this last time a hundred times already. Yeah. Um, I uh, I grew up with hymns. I grew up with nineties, two thousands contemporary songs, okay. and I was in high out of high school by twenty thirteen, so I didn't get far past that. But um, I was in and around all this kind of music. And then after my first semester of Bible college, I came back and was on this big John Piper kick, which is mm-hmm. not somebody necessarily that our, our Bible college yeah. is like, mm-hmm. he's the greatest person to ever live and listen to everything he says. Um, not that he's, he's terrible either. He's mm-hmm. great. But uh, um, I was on this big John Piper kick and every word that came out of his mouth was pure gold mm-hmm. and gospel truth and whatever. And it's not a bad source. Not a bad source. Yeah, nah. um, there are some things he believes that I don't agree with. I don't think his heart has ever been bad or malicious mm-hmm. or yeah. in anything. But there are some some positions he takes I don't totally agree with. But that's like when I started getting into this worship Nazi sort of phase where I was mm-hmm. like, 
the less theological biblical meat mm-hmm. a song has, the less good it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And uh, um, start getting into some other reformed uh, positions that, again, aren't necessarily wrong or bad. I don't think are totally correct now, but mm-hmm. like um, some like Calvinist positions, like God uh, has the power to be totally sovereign over everything. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he is necessarily and every little thing that happens in the world is his doing. Mm-hmm. So we thank God for the good things, and we thank him for the bad things because he made those things happen too. Okay. And I'm, of course, saying it a little mm-hmm. fallacious, fallaciously, yeah. maliciously, yeah. a tiny bit, but only because that's where I was. Yeah. So that was, that was the one last thing in the email is why are you hating on Reformed churches? I If I did, I didn't mean to explicitly. I'm okay to dog on certain ideas, mm-hmm. but I do that because that's where I was. Mm-hmm. For a good chunk of my life, and looking back, I see how um, that's almost the inspiration for this series. Mm-hmm. How I loved brick by brick constructing these walls in worship to say that is an evil thing to do and a wrong thing to do, and this is a great and biblical thing to do. So, mm-hmm. singing repetitive emotional mm-hmm. songs is a mm-hmm. bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Singing deep, heavy, weighty mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. is a good it's thing. A good to thing, do. okay. Uh, because the only thing that matters is the content, and. I not the emotion, since, not the not the emotion, not the relationship, not the yeah. interaction between you and God. Mm-hmm. I've since backed off that position pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about the deeper, weightier songs, there is a genre of worship song called hymn, and this is something that I want everybody who grew up in the early and mm-hmm. mid 1900s, and maybe mm-hmm. that's too old. Maybe they're all dead by now. Um, but like people who grew up with hymnals with some oh, of those yeah. songs, um. I'll Fly Away is mm-hmm. not a hymn, but Come Thou Fount is a hymn. And why is that? Well, mm. by genre, by genre. Mm-hmm. I'll Fly Away is a camp meeting repetitive song okay. that's heavy on the chorus, heavy on the repetition, so that without any music you could sing it mm-hmm. uh, in a big meeting. Yeah. You don't need the projector or yeah. the hymn book or the whatever. Um, Come Thou Fount is a bunch of repetitive verses. I mean, it's the same exact melody through every verse and it's usually four plus lines and super dense yeah. and weighty. And if there's any refrain, any repetition, it is a one mm. or two line mm-hmm. short little thing that that's nothing. Um, now you got that song playing in my head, but that's, yeah, that's usually what a hymn is mm-hmm. by genre. Mm-hmm. So when I showed up to the church, I was at before <laughs> They said we in the early service, the more traditional one, you need to do three out of five songs mm-hmm. as hymns. So I did. I did three genre-wise hymns. Mm-hmm. I did um, something that was in their hymnal. I mm-hmm. did something from like the 1400s. And mm-hmm. I did something yeah. from like the past 30 years that's also a hymn. Yeah. So by that definition, What a Beautiful Name is a hymn. Mm-hmm. King of Kings is a hymn. Living Hope is a hymn. Hymn of Heaven says in the name is a hymn mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's more about genre-wise, the deep, heavy, weighty, I mean deep and heavy and weighty, mm-hmm. both in like length and amount of words and like the poetry of it. So last Sunday we did Above It All? Yes. So is that a hymn? Above Maybe. That's kind of a, mm-hmm. a newer... Sharon did a good job on that. Neo-hymn yeah. Yeah. thing. And the other day, I'll point this out, I don't know how the other day, a few weeks ago, you did a song, and I think it was toward the end, and then you bridged that song, a newer song, into I Surrender All. Yeah. You remember that? 
Were you doing vaguely? You, you did that. Okay. I think I did that. But <laughs> and to me, a guy who grew up in a church that sang "I Surrender All," yeah, which I believe is page three fifty four of the Methodist Hymnal, nineteen eighty eight. <laughs> that that was like, oh wow, that's a really good song. I haven't heard that in a while. So you know, for a nerd like me, it kind of yeah, it was kind of cool because I'm like, oh, I know that song. Yeah, and I used to sing it a lot. Yeah. Uh, on Sundays, but it was kind of neat to bridge, and I like the way you do that sometimes to bridge the old into yeah. the new, the new into the old. It kind of gives that sense of the connection of the church through the years. Yeah, and that's something I love and want to facilitate. One of my goals for the next couple of years is is um, to add in more hymns as our band gets stronger at mm-hmm. making up parts mm-hmm. rather than listening to parts and songs and yeah. replicating them uh, in throwing in some more versions of old hymns or the old hymn itself, the way it was or whatever, because there's this long tradition of great songs of the church, um, even before the reformation yeah. in the 1500s, but this long tradition of great songs in the church that I don't want to disappear at the same time. My, my more current focus has been like have some hymns, Genre wise, mm-hmm. that are new and have some more yeah. repetitious, repetitive. There we go, re, <laughs> repetitive songs because yeah. there's there's value to both. Yeah. If you, for me, I don't want to just sing. I I want to let scripture saturate every part of the service, front to back. I and agree. the songs that seem scripture saturated yeah. can be repetitive, but the ones that are like really, really, really saturated are usually the like more lengthy mm-hmm. hymnic deeper, mm-hmm. more wordy ones. I read a biography recently of Rosario Butterfield, and yeah. she goes to a Reformed church, I think it's Reformed Presbyterian, and only mm-hmm. thing they sing, they sing without instruments. Yeah. Okay, it's all a cappella, and the only thing they sing are songs from the book of Psalms. Yeah. Okay? And her argument she said the theological argument for that is that God wrote a songbook and he put it in the Bible and it's called the book of Psalms. So there's 150 songs yeah. that God wrote and he wants us to sing. So I don't, I'm not saying I endorse this or agree with it, but in yeah. their church tradition, they sing, I don't know how many songs they sing, but they sing them all a cappella without any instruments and it's only songs that are from the book of Psalms. And their argument is that's what God wrote as a songbook, so we're going to stick with it. That's a pretty strong argument. And yeah. for everybody who mm-hmm. wants to sting, to, st- sting to, to stick to hymnals and what they grew up on and turn to this page and whatever, uh, yeah, you are holding a middle ground position mm-hmm. between today and the Bible yes. and saying that sometime when these songs were written in the 18 and 1900s, mm-hmm. maybe 1700s, mm-hmm. was the best time where God really wrote his right. good songs. Right. But he didn't. He doesn't write them today, right. and he didn't write them in the book of Psalms. Yeah. So for people who are like, I only want songs from my hymnal. Yeah, so starting with about Martin Luther yeah. in the 1500s through probably Fanny Crosby. Early 1900s. Or early 19. Well, probably ended with How Great They Are, whoever wrote that. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. But anyway. Couldn't tell you. That was wrote in 1954. I know that. Yeah. So that's, that's when it ended. That, that's when the book closed on good hymns, and that's what we're going to do. And I think that there's a value to that. I think we, we talked about this last time, the value of your, your sentimental songs, songs that remind mm-hmm. you of a better time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a better time overall, but like an important time in your life. Yeah. 
So songs at a friend's funeral yes. or a family member's yes. funeral, songs at your wedding, songs mm-hmm. when you were baptized or when the Lord yes. really grabbed a hold of your heart yeah. at some point, songs to remind you of your family and your home church and whatever. Those kind of songs, those are all important, and I don't want to discount those. Right. Um, but we aren't beholden to those, and God isn't beholden to those because right. they worked at one time in one place. Right. Right. So my That's, grandparents always had in their funerals his eyes on the sparrow. Yeah. Okay. Which is a great song. I'd call that a hymn, probably. And I would like that maybe at my funeral. Yeah. It's one of my songs. I got several I'd like to pick. They change every week. Yeah. Based <laughs> on what you're doing that week. But at my daughter's funeral, we did two hymns that she or two songs that she liked. Uh Reckless Love. Yeah. And Living Hope. Which turned out to be both really great songs yeah. for a funeral. But we did it because that was important to her. Yeah. And Luke Palmquist led that worship and he came to us and said, Mary really liked this song because they were at like a youth retreat. And, and so yeah. Living Hope was something he noticed that she really liked. And we, yeah. and she really liked uh, Reckless Love. So, you know, those songs are special to me. They're not in the book of Psalms, but I think they're pretty cool because yeah. they speak to me about an important time in my life. And His Eyes on the Sparrow, which is biblically based, you know, it's in the book of Luke. I can't remember which chapter right now, but it's there. And so I think it has a lot of a biblical heft behind it yeah. that gives it some credibility as well. But those are just kind of special hymns in my life and for special reasons that you yeah. talked about. The What's cool about the argument, uh, going back to Rosario Butterfield and the, mm-hmm. only singing the Psalms, what's really cool about that argument is these are the God-approved songs. Yeah. We know for sure these are the God-approved songs. Yeah, uh, we don't know for sure. God didn't write in any scripture. He didn't include "Reckless Love" or mm. anything by Fanny Crosby yeah. in the Bible, right? Uh, the way we have it right now. Yeah. Um, now those are hope the, is based on First Peter three, but so it it's, is. It's, it is. Yeah. But like you, you can't read the lyrics of "Living Hope" and read yeah. by Phil Wickham, right? In in a Bible, unless no. you tape it in there or something. <laughs> um, so, what are the hundred and fifty songs that God approves? They are. Emotional. Mm-hmm. I was going to say repetitive. They are. They they vary. They vary. Some are real long and dense. Some are angry. Some are really short. Some are angry. Some, some are repetitive. Are, you look at yeah. Psalm one thirty six. It repeats itself all the time. Some are. Sad. Thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Is after yeah. every stanza. Yeah, for for like eighteen plus verses. Some are angry, like you yeah. said. Yeah, uh, and they're all. Very few of them are. Uh, that's not true. Uh, not very many of them are dense. Scripture, narrative, deeply poetic, theological, the way we think I, about them today. Right. The way we think yeah. about our 16 through 1900s right. hymns. I'm not sure how you'd sing Psalm 119. That's a pretty long one. Yeah, that's it's a... 176 That verses, seems like so. a like a today when Bethel or other yeah, people put out a song, be, yeah. and then parentheses spontaneous, mm-hmm. and then it's like 27 minutes. Mm-hmm. That that was yeah. the, the Bible's version of that. Right, because <laughs> I recently listened on my Bible app to Psalm 119, and it takes 16 minutes to read through yeah. it. So it's, it's long. long. It's long. But it's, it's poetic in a different way. Yes. What's funny is that for us, poetry is about um, rhyming, and then mm-hmm. about like, the depth of the content and the artistry of the words you're using, yeah. how all of them have a double or triple meaning and, and are pulled from a different meaning to, to place into here. For Hebrew poetry, that is true also. But instead of rhyming, 
they do, there's still some cadence and some yeah, musical a lot of kind of qualities, there, yeah. but they do what's called Hebrew parallelism, right? which is where you take two sentences, you, you take your one line and then you repeat that idea in the next right. one. Yeah. It's not an exact repetition, but right. it's like you just said the same thing with different words. Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp. No, it's a lamp, lamp unto my feet yeah. and a light unto my path. You're saying the same thing, but two yeah. different ways, which gives it better emphasis. Yeah. Fleshes it out a little bit. So yeah. that Psalm 136 for some of the repetition stuff, I'm like, they didn't not repeat stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. They certainly were familiar with it. Also Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times did they pray that? How many times did they pray yeah. all these other prayers right. and repeat all these other things? And um, You know, it said uh, when Jesus, um, after he, they, they did the uh, communion on the night he was betrayed, that they sang a song, they sang a hymn. Yeah. Is what it says. Yeah. And they didn't say what it was. But I assume it was one of the songs of ascent which would be like in the Psalms around uh, 10, uh, I think it's like 105 to 119 or two, 120 something. Well, no, 130 something. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. I didn't br- yeah. brush up on that before. But it's in the <laughs> it's in the 100s. Most of them are shorter, but it's songs about going up to Jerusalem or yeah. songs about praise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, so that was the tradition. They would sing those songs. But I'm trying to think, you know, what. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of record in the Bible and the Gospels of what Jesus sang. Yeah. But I assume, but we, we know, know he, he sang was, that. We, we know, know he was Jewish. We know he's Jewish, and we he probably sang one, the songs of Ascents, which came from the book of, of Psalms. And we know one song he sang for sure, which is Psalm 22, mm, while he's on the cross. God, my, my God, God why, why have, have you, you forsaken, forsaken me? me? Yeah. He said it in a weak voice, but that's not just just like prose, discourse words to them. That was that's, set to a song. That was set to music. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he probably, I hadn't thought about this before, he probably said it in the musical sense. He probably, probably sang, sang it, it, even though weakly. Cried it, but sang it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like he was on the cross and with his weak, dying mm-hmm. breaths, slowly fading. Yeah. So like, like if the text had recorded him saying, oh, Lord, my God. Mm-hmm. When I and then just dropped off. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you want to finish it because you're like, I know that song. Uh, But he could have, oh Lord, like, like just muttered it out with his little strength that's left. Uh That's what he was doing with Psalm 22. These are all songs that um, are familiar to their people. What's funny is that a lot of the psalms sound like they're right out of David's journal or somebody like David. They're not weighty, deep. Poetic in the in the super deep yeah. dense, like absolutely car compacted together way. Yeah. They're they're like 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 Psalm twenty two. God, why have you forsaken me? So they're true, is what you're saying. They're the, true, but they're emotional and yes. interpersonal. Right. They're not factual, full of data. They are like God, a dog they're surround not. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I feel like when I was in that reformed tradition song Nazi place, I'd be like, there are no dogs around you. Can't sing that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, but the Bible doesn't seem to have that problem. And Jesus didn't seem to have that problem. Yeah. God didn't seem to have that problem with his, his chosen people in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not super worried about it. Okay. So we didn't get through everything I wanted to get through today, but I feel like it was a good, this was a good next step into the, mm-hmm. the okay. venture of some of these walls that, that um, I have personally in my life and, and other people have put up in worship, um, especially I feel like we covered the emotional one pretty well, that like yeah. 
we can't sing this because it's uh, it feels yeah. like it's driven by emotion or messing with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. one last thing I want to say yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, God made people. God made people in His image, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just read the Bible. Is God emotional? Yes, I would say yes. Yes, uh, is he, God relational? I would yes. say yes. Inherently, yes. those are so yes. true and core to who He is and core to who we are. And so, for us to relate to God in a way that is merely data, right. merely information, right, is to relate to God in a way that's one inhuman. Mm-hmm. Humans don't do that. Right. We're more than just data computers. And two, ungodly or ungodlike. Yeah. I, I, music is a gift from God. I have no doubt yeah. about that. And I think the unique thing about music, and I heard this years ago on Fresh Air, which is a show on NPR. But anyway, yeah. they were talking to the daughter or granddaughter of one of the songwriters for The Wizard of Oz. And she yeah. said her dad told her once, and I never forgot this, that what makes music unique is that it combines the human intelligence with human emotion and yeah. brings them into one. Well, John had to leave, so I'm going to try to finish us out off of what he said. Emotion and worship, I think, is super valuable. Um, and it's also valuable because in worship, we're not just talking about God like he isn't there. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is with God to be with us in a special way, even though he's with us all the time when we gather for worship. And so, um, like, talking to God like he's there is emotional because we love him and we have this prior relationship. Um, anyway, okay, I'll leave it there. If you liked this episode, if you like this series, uh, please let us know. Um, let us know by reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to it on. Um, please let us know by commenting on this on this uh, episode. Um, tell us what you um, learned or, or what stuck out to you or... Um, even the last time we talked about what's the most important song, um, worship song, worship moment you've had, tell us about a song you love because of the emotions tied to it or because of the person tied to it. Um, anyway, yeah, please like subscribe if you like this uh, so that we know that you like it and we'll make more stuff like this. Have a great and glorious day in the Lord. See ya. <laughs>